0: So, today I'm going to do something which I would never do. I've never can't ever remember really doing before. Normally, once we get into a book like we are in studying the book of James, the only things that can stop me are well, there's, there's three things. One is Christmas, one is Easter, and the others if the elders tell me I've got to change. So, that's it. But today we're going to take a break from our study of the book of James. And the reason that we're going to do that is because of a a prayer time that we had about a month ago now. So Thursday mornings, we have prayer time for between 7 and 8. Everyone's welcome to come, you know, before work or on your way to work. We start right on time, we end right on time. If you have to leave early, that's all good. But we start right at 7 o'clock by reading one of the Psalms. And we've been reading through the Psalms for decades and decades and decades to begin this time of prayer. Well, about a month ago, we read Psalm 8. This is what we read. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies. To silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings, that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honour. You made them rulers over the works of your hands and you put everything under their feet all flocks and herds and animals of the wild the birds of the sky, the fish in the sea and all that swim in the paths of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It's one of the most popular psalms, and if you're around religious people very much, then you'll know that this is one of the favorite psalms that people have, because it, it just gives such dignity to humankind and reminds us of who we are in the eyes of God. But what struck me about a month ago as I was reading this, these verses together, I realized that I completely missed the introduction. In particular, I missed verse 2. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. I don't know why I've not noticed that before. And maybe it's because it's kind of a tricky thing. And at the of this technical reasons that verse one and verse two and verse three, that they're really difficult to translate from the Hebrew language into, into the modern language. And it's like 30 years since I took looked, looked the Hebrews. Or well, maybe I, I just you know, never noticed because it's so hard to do. And maybe it's because um, I just were not aware until more recently I mean, I don't think I've ever been as concerned and aware about people's emotional and spiritual and mental health than I have been in these last few years. You can Google it up and you can look at it and you'll see that study after study after study that phobia and panic attacks and social anxiety and obsessive compulsive disorders and PTSD, they sort of spiked in 2020, 2021, you know, the whole pandemic thing. And people kind of thought, well, you know, it's going to get back to normal as we get, you know, the pandemic ends, but it's not. It's, it's elevated at this incredible height. Maybe it's, because, maybe it's because I just got into such a rush. To read the rest of the verses because it says such amazing things about God as the creator God and, and about us as his vice regents. Maybe it's because of those things that I, that I didn't really notice that God says that our praise, our worship, our getting together and singing together and breaking bread and studying the word. Our adoration of him is a stronghold, a fortress, a bulwark, a citadel, something that is very powerful and mighty that can resist the attacks of the enemy in our life. I don't know how I missed that. I mean, corporate worship is a huge deal to me. So powerful, and somehow I missed it. But on that particular day, verse 2 struck me in a way that, I, that it never has before. And then, you know, after we're done reading the psalm, then we go into a time of prayer. And as we go into this time of prayer, uh, two things uh, came to my mind and came to my heart. The first thing is this whole deal about children and children's worship. And I thought, you know, one of our Sunday school classes, it should be for kids who sing in a musical. And what they should take as the curriculum for that Sunday school class is that they should take some of the songs that we sing and they should look into the theology of those things and have the teaching of those things. And when they've learned how to sing it and when they've learned what it means, they could come up here and they could lead us in that worship. I mean, we kind of started with, with, you know, Kids Serve Sunday here coming up at the end of the month, but it could be so much bigger than that. And I I thought about that. I remembered, you know, many, many years ago, Shin and I went to the World Council of the Church of Christ International Conference thing. I don't remember what the thing was called. We went there. And, you know, a few thousand people or whatever. And, and then they had, you know, a children's ministry thing. So your kids went into this children's ministry deal. And then towards the end of the week, they hauled in these hundreds of kids. And the, the person who was leading the children's ministry stood up there and said, Now, I know what you are all thinking. You're all thinking, isn't this cute? And she turned to these kids and she said to these kids, Are you cute? And they were, you know, trained to say, We're not cute. And I said, because they're not just cute. They are worshippers of the living God. And they are here to lead us in our worship. And it's not cute. It is the most profound thing that can possibly be done. Because out of the praise and worship of infants and children, God has built a citadel to defeat the foe who attacks us. That was my first thought. Brown had much control over what children's ministry does but I do tell Dunker what to do. (laughs) And I said, we need to have a stronghold service. We need to have a, a, a dedicated service, and, and, and every worship service is, is a stronghold service. But I think I, ju- I just feel like we need to just kind of line up a, a, a service, a stronghold service, where where people can come with all of the things that that is causing them to suffer, and we're going to get together, and, and and we're going to we're going to build a stronghold of praise in which the Lord can act and can protect us and heal us and strengthen us and prepare us to go out and defeat the enemy in our daily. lives life as we go to work the next day we need to have a stronghold service because in the praises of God's people he brings a stronghold to defeat the enemy's attack on your life I so very reluctantly because he doesn't really in this stuff at all <laughs> Dave says is okay <laughs> so that's what we're going to do tonight which we've been telling you about for a couple of weeks. We're going to have a stronghold service. This verse that opened these up are very, very important. Don't miss, like I've been missing for years, verse 1b and 2 of this psalm. You've set your glory in the heavens and through the praise of children and infants you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. What, what those, those verses right there, you know what they do? They are an introduction or an outline of what the rest of the psalm is going to say. And so he's going to start off with, you know, this whole thing. you've set your glory in the heavens. And so he's going to start talking about the glory and the wonder of creation in the first part of the, of the psalm. And then after he's done the first part of the psalm, what he's going to do is go into the next one so number one he's going to say that god is praised as lord of the universe because he created it that's the first part of the psalm. and then the, the outline tells us that the second part of the psalm, what he's going to do is going to say that god is praised as the ruler of history through his people who have been given dominion over all things that, that's what this psalm is that's the outline of the psalm that's what he's saying That's what he unfolds as we go forward. The other thing that I I somehow missed in this whole psalm, it's kind of embarrassing. I mean, I have no idea how many hundreds of times literally I've read this psalm. But the other thing that I missed is is, is how how the psalm is bracketed and these brackets are important. Did you notice when we read it that the psalm begins and ends with the same words, right? It begins and ends with, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. And then he ends the psalm with, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. You see, what he's doing is he's saying that these are the brackets. Everything that I'm going to say about creation, everything that I'm going to say about you, everything that I'm going to say about worship, everything that I'm going to say about the foe and the enemy and how he attacks us, all of that is to be bracketed and held within the context and the understanding that it's done in the context of the praise and worship of God. And if we lose that, we don't get the blessings and the glory and the joy and the healing And the victory over the enemy that the psalm puts forth. So these brackets are important. Lord, our Lord. You know, if you notice in the NIV, it always capitalizes the first one, Lord, and small letters, the same one. That's because there are different names. The first Lord is Yahweh. Yahweh our Lord, Yahweh our King, Yahweh our Governor is what it says. So the first one is, is Yahweh, this personal God, this self-revealing God who is the Lord, who is the ruler and the governor and the authority and the strong one over all things. That, that, that little first little part that it's emphasizing the sovereignty of God. And he's saying, listen, I am the Lord God Almighty and what I say to you and what I promise to you and what happens, I will do. Because I am the sovereign king of the universe and I am personal Yahweh, I have revealed myself to you because I want to be intimate with you. Oh Lord, oh Lord, how majestic, how awe-inspiring, how amazing is your name. Name name is, is the reputation or his being or his actions, or what we ascribe to him because we've seen what he does. And the idea is that in between these verses and what he says about the universe, about humankind, is held between, banded by, held together by, uh, resulting in the praising of God. So these are the brackets. It's like this is all held within us, and when we realize what's in the middle here, the only thing that we can do is to fall down on our faces and praise him and worship him. When we fully understand who God is, who He has made us to be, and His relationship with us, and so then, having placed those brackets, He begins the psalm about how Yahweh has declared the universe, Lord of the universe, through creation. Verse three is the whole beauty of it, right? When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. He, he's saying, just think about the night sky when we can see what's going on. It's absolutely mind-bogglingly amazing. I mean, think of the beauty when you look up there and you see just you know, kind of part of our galaxy. You know, our galaxy, do you know, we could go on and on our galaxy it would take a hundred thousand light years to go from one end to the other hundred thousand years traveling one hundred and eighty six thousand miles per second to get across just our galaxy and there are millions of gallons billions of galaxies, and those galaxies they 're expanding at three hundred and sixty thousand miles per second I have no idea what they 're expanding in i don 't understand what that means it just is like Okay, that's way beyond anything that I can comprehend. I mean, I realize some of you are smarter and physicists and all this kind of stuff, but I I don't even get it. It's just just amazing. I I could go on and on and on, but hey, if you want to hear a kind of a cool sermon on that whole thing, you can just jump on YouTube there and Louis Giglio, his sermon, uh, Indescribable. You can just Google it and watch it. I think it's about 40 minutes long. It's just. It's just mind-blowing he just talks about the cosmos and the beauty of it and the amazement of it and 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 god has put these things all in place well it's in this context of thinking about things that are just absolutely beyond our understanding and our comprehension and and i don't know you can probably put some mathematical formula in there that i wouldn't understand anyhow that talks about the speed all that stuff but it's it's in that context of something that is so much bigger than us that david is inspired to consider you and me i said lord you've got this this cosmos and you're mindful of us you care about me you have a plan For and through humankind. Bruce Wonke, in his little study of the psalm, he says, you know, there are four Hebrew words for humankind. And the word that that David uses in this particular psalm, verse 3, is the word that emphasizes human weakness and puniness and frailty. There's general words and there's, you know, words that when mankind's strong in an army and stuff, but, th- but this word is the word that means we're just weak. We're just frail. We're just flesh and blood. We're just a breath. And yet you are mindful of us. Why? Why when you've got all of that stuff going on, do you care about me? You care about my heart. You care about my mind. You care about my life. Why? Why on earth do you do that? Why do you care about humankind? And he goes on and explains why. It's because Yahweh declared that he is the Lord of history through people's praise. That's why. It's because through us and our worship in, in mouth, in heart and in deed that God establishes his kingdom rule throughout history. And what he does here, he echoes Genesis chapter one. That's what's going on here. So if you, if you read Genesis chapter one, the whole creation account and you read Psalm eight, you'll see that these, he's kind of uses different words, but, but the idea behind them are captured there in Genesis chapter one. And he says, you know, you, You've given us an amazing identity. You've said that as a human being, you are a royal person. That you are a crowned ruler. That you have been given dominion, rulership, care of, creation. And dominion and authority even over spiritual beings. This is who you are. This is your identity. You are vice regents. The image bearers of God himself. And you have in that role an amazing opportunity. Because what he's saying is that humans... Through humans, God defeats the enemies. Through the power of God in praise, the forces of darkness are defeated. That's why you guys did an excellent job choosing the songs for this Sunday. Because that's just what we were singing. But the question is, do I live that way and do I believe it? Do I understand that darkness goes against my songs of praise, but darkness shudders when we sing? Because it can't silence a single word. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Children and infants. It means both things that you think of. It means that the, the, the literal reality that to God, children and infants are important. They are not less than adults. They are not less important. They are not, uh, you know, subhuman or just wait until they grow up. and they'll like, No, to God, they are critically important. And in their in the, in the naive singing of trust, God finds delight and builds a stronghold. And somehow, in some way, in the babbling of a baby, because the word that means there is a, a suckling at breast, somehow in that, God is praised. In that creative act, in the amazing reality that a woman's breast, a mother's breast is the perfect distance between the eyes focus of an infant and her recognising her face. Somehow in all of that, God has created praise and glory and honor. And it's a stronghold against the lies of the enemy, which says that you're not important until you can produce. You're not important until society values you. And God says, no, in the praises of your suckling infant, I build a stronghold to battle those lies. And so it means the value of children, which is why we try to put so much emphasis On kids' ministries around here. But it means the second thing that you know what it means. It's a symbol. It's a metaphor. It's a statement for weak people. For these fragile creations we call human beings. It's a statement of when you and I feel powerless and vulnerable. It's when we feel like we're afraid and weak and... and, and needy that we need to offer up praise and petition when we get to the place where we know I cannot defeat this anxiety by myself when we know that no matter how hard I try I can't push the darkness of depression away it's when we have these lies of the enemy that tell us that we're failures and we don't count for anything and we'll never amount to anything and all of those things and that we don't believe that we are vice regents crowned with glory by God himself. It's when we're in those states when we understand that this is way bigger than ours and I'm not wise enough and I'm not smart enough and I'm not strong enough and I'm not faithful enough and I'm just, I just don't know. It's in those very times that God says that is when you need to build up a stronghold of Praise. Because in the songs of when we are weak, when we are broken, when we are anxious, when we're depressed, when we're afraid, when we're lonely, when we're hopeless, and we've been trying for months to get out of it and we just can't, and so what we wanna do is we just wanna shrink up and hide. Somehow the enemy has a trick that tells us, hey, you know when you should come to praise and worship, you should come to praise and worship when you're feeling good. I could say nasty words about that because what this psalm is saying is that when you are feeling most broken that is when you need to most come to be in the praise and glory of God in the company of his people so that the praise and worship of those who can sing can carry you along and somehow usher you into the presence of God. To remind you of who you are, to remind me of who God is, to sing again and hear the voices and the melodious tunes that dive into our hearts deeply by way of music. Of the reality that God will build a stronghold. And in him I am valued. And in him I am important. And in him there is hope. And in him there is life. The psalm says when you feel most weak. Most vulnerable. Most broken. Most at sea. You come and praise. And the praises of his people will carry you along and a stronghold will be built. Of course, you have to enter in. You have to come before the throne of grace and say, Lord, I, I I I can maybe mutter these words. I can maybe squeak out a word or two. I can maybe hear one verse of scripture and grab onto that but I'm gonna come. In the praise of children and infants, in the praise and worship of us when we are broken and weak, God builds a citadel that's unassailable. A stronghold, a place of strength, That we can run into and be protected by the power of God himself. When we are under attack, we praise God. And every song, every prayer, every scripture, every taste of communion is a brick that we lay down for God to build a citadel around us. To protect us and to silence the accusations and the lies of the enemy which say you aren't worth anything. He builds a fortress against the attacks of the enemy. And from this fortress of praise, having been revived by coming into the presence of God and encountering the living Christ, We become strengthened enough to forge forth out of the fortress to do battle one more day, one more week, one more conversation, one more conflict, one more recognition of who we are and where we're at and putting in the power of God in our lives to be able to move forward with it. With a proclamation of faith that the enemy is defeated in our lives. Because, you see, he gave us spiritual authority. Then this whole thing of harking back to Galatians, to to Genesis 1, this whole thing about getting everything under your feet, you know what it's saying? It's saying, yeah, not only are we courtakers of the world, but you've got spiritual authority too. You see, what's supposed to happen in Genesis 3 when the serpent comes, when the enemy comes, when he comes to come and and lie and defeat and to steal and destroy and all those things with Adam and Eve, you know what they were supposed to do? They were supposed to take spiritual authority over him. They were supposed to defeat him. They were supposed to say, no, we are children of God. We are vice regents of the Almighty and you will not lead me astray. You will not cause me to live according to your lies. But they forgot to cast their eyes towards heaven in adoration and praise and worship. And instead, tried to take on these spiritual forces in their own strength and so were defeated. That's not the plan. God said, I've made you a vice regent, I have crowned you with glory. Everything is under your feet. The word that's used there means it's a bit of a struggle. It's not like, oh, yeah, no problem. I'm going to get up and my day is just going to be full of glory. It's all going to be sunshine, rainbows, and butterflies. Sometimes it's hard and it's a struggle and the darkness comes in and you have to fight and it's hard to worship and it's hard to praise and it's hard to believe. And it's hard to take authority. It's hard to say that is a lie and this is the truth. But God says when you praise and worship me, when you take those times to stop and to remember who God is and who I am in Christ, then the enemy is crushed under my feet. He gives us this authority And the context of that authority is praise and worship so that we are building this citadel of faith and of praise. So this is the Lord's invitation to us. And i got to give a preacher's confession. The Lord's invitation that you would silence the foe and the avenger in your life. And that you would silence the lies of the enemy and the discouragement and the anxiety and the fear and the pressure and all of that junk that the enemy throws at us in the context of ways. (laughs) You know that song Melissa sang for us a couple of Easter's ago? Because I asked her to. (laughs) But uh, shame is a prison. As cruel as a grave. Shame as a robber. And he's come to take your name. As a vice-regent, as a child, as a daughter, as a son of God. As a conqueror over the enemy's foe. Over the lies of the enemy. And fear is a liar. With a smooth and velvet tongue. These lies he feeds you about who you are and what your value is. They sound just right and they're so easy to swallow. And fear's a tyrant. He's always telling me to run. Run away from God, run away from people, run away from myself, run away from the circumstances. Because you can't win, oh yes we can. In the context of praising God Almighty, oh yes we can. In the power of God we take the authority given to us in the Holy Spirit's And in the midst and context of praise, we silence the foe and the avenger. And so this morning as we worship, it's a stronghold service. And this evening, we've got a special stronghold service. We're going to build a citadel for God to, to be him, for us to come as a child, as an infant, and confessing our weakness and our vulnerability, our shame, our fear, our anxiety, or our pride and our self-determination i think we can do all of this ourselves we can come before these and say to god god this stuff that i'm wrestling with it is way too big for me i'm just an infant i'm just like a suckling baby i am just completely dependent upon you because i can't take this on alone and i understand that those forces are bigger than i am but they are not bigger than you and so we are going to proclaim how big you are and who we are in the midst of those things and you are going to build a stronghold and I'm going to be refreshed and renewed and healed. Even it means that those singing around me are the ones that have to carry me along because I'm going to fight another day as a vice regent of God Almighty himself, filled with the Holy Spirit, eyes fixed upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, voice proclaiming the power of God Almighty over all things which he's given us. That's God's invitation to you. That's God's invitation to me when he says come and praise, come and worship, come and gather, carry one another along. That's what God laid on my heart. But I've got a confession. I've got all kinds of weakness in life and in ministry, (laughs) as you know. I think one of my biggest weaknesses, maybe sins, is I undersell Jesus. I do. You know, if people come and they say, hey, you know, if I come to Jesus, will he heal my marriage? Will he help me overcome this depression? Will he this, that, or the other? And I got to tell you, I undersell Jesus. I say, yeah, yeah, he will. But you'll have to, you know, start doing what he says and start treating your wife like you should and start, you know, da, 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 da. But I undersell him. And I'll tell you why I undersell him because I'm afraid he won't come through. Because like you, I prayed all kinds of prayers. And it's like, i had been better off spending my time watching Netflix because nothing seems to happen. And so, you know, after a, you have that a few times, I shouldn't say that. After I have that a few times, I, I get scared that I'm going to get up here, I'm going to say all this stuff. And someone who's desperate for Jesus, someone who's like, it's like, here's the cliff and I'm right here, man that they're gonna say, I need that, I'm a child, I'm an infant, I need that, I need that spiritual authority and I'm gonna come and I'm gonna praise Jesus and I'm gonna worship Jesus and I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna be prayed for. And I just so desperately need God to be my deliverer and to, to have this fortress around me because the enemy is strong and the darkness is defending and it just gets closer and nothing happens. And my biggest fear is that somebody would come and be disappointed. So I wrestle with this stuff, you know? And uh, I guess it would be like, not yesterday, but last Saturday I was taking the dog for a walk, walking along, wrestling through this stuff, thinking about this. And, and we have kids who are trying to make a living in the arts, oh Lord Jesus. And they got six kids. And anyway, Andrew's between film projects right now, so they're out going door to door selling their children's books that they've written and had illustrated and doing all this stuff. So I get this text from Sarah. So we're getting a few sales here and there. But could you please pray that our sales pick up a bunch over the next few hours? Like, this is food on my grandkids' table here. So, me. I will do that for sure. Right now, my snow. Snow is what I call it. Minutes or so later. Whoa! You are some kind of prayer. I kid you not, seconds after you responded, a lady bought four of each books from us. So, eight books. Me. That's great stuff. I prayed for a big sale. I also prayed that you might encounter someone who is a contact to even greater sales. A teacher or something. Sarah. She's a bus driver. She bought for all the local schools. What a coincidence. And, you know, and so I lived for a few hours, that's awesome, that's great, that's, that's good. And then, but within a few hours, it's like, well, yeah, okay, so we sold those eight books or whatever, but what about all the people whose kids have wandered away from the Lord that I pray for every Tuesday and Thursday, a dozen or more of them, And right, so, you know? And so it doesn't take me long before I'm back into... Uh, 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 uh. So Friday, I'm writing this sermon. And I'm like, oh, man. So, out of the blue, Irene, sends me this text... Psalm five, verse three. Just just send me that. No comment, just boom, here it is. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning I lay my request before you, and I wait expectantly. And so this morning, I just invite us to lay our requests before Him. That if you are in the mood which means you're a child, a suckling, a person who's in a state of weakness, who realizes that the stuff you've got going on in your life is way bigger than anything that you can handle. And then maybe you'd like to come to the Stronghold service tonight. That you'd like to come into the citadel of God, a bulwark of praise, and just say, God... I'm gonna build this stronghold of praise. I'm gonna praise and you're gonna put the bricks in place to protect me from the enemy that I can't defeat, but you can. And give me whatever it is I need at the end of that time to forge forth from that citadel as a warrior for you. To take the authority that you've given me as a vice regent and to silence the lies of the foe and to rip the sword out of the hand of the avenger who's trying to tear us apart. That's our invitation from God himself. And I'm going to try and believe that Das ist Fuchs.